And uh, one of the things you'll, you'll find to be true many times is that at the very beginning of what this psalm even deals with in each and every single one of these hymns that we're going to look at tonight even deal with, many of the issues that we face, one of the reasons that we struggle through them is because we do not take them to Jesus. In Psalm 55, notice what the Bible says in verse number 1. Give ear to my prayer, O God, and hide not thyself from my supplication. Attend unto me and hear me. I mourn in my complaint and make a noise. Because of the voice of the enemy, because of the oppression of the wicked, for they cast iniquity upon me, and in wrath they hate me. In this psalm here, you're going to find that David is going to express some of the problems that he is facing. And one of the things you'll find at times in the Christian life is that there are, there are trials that you go through, there are troubles that you encounter, there are circumstances or situations or whatever the case might be that you are encountering in certain seasons of life. And one of the things that we are tempted to do is think that there's no hope, there's no light at the end of the tunnel, that, that we're the only ones that are going through anything. And we begin to shut everybody out and we shut the Lord out and we think, man, this trial is the worst and there's nothing good that can come out of it. But this psalm here helps us realize that even in the midst of trials, you'll find triumph. And notice what the Bible says right in the middle of Psalm 55 concerning this portion of Scripture and this one thought in trials and triumph. The Bible says in verse number 16, As for me, I will call upon God. The Lord shall save me. Evening and morning and at noon will I pray and cry aloud, and he shall hear my voice. He hath delivered my soul in peace from the battle that was against me. For there were many with me. God shall hear and afflict them, even he that abideth of old, Selah. Because they have no changes, therefore they fear not. Come on down to verse number 22. You see that he closes this psalm out, encouraging us tonight. Cast thy burden upon the Lord, and he shall sustain thee. He shall never suffer the righteous to be moved. But thou, O God, shalt bring them down in the pit of destruction. Bloody and deceitful men shall not live out half their days, but I will trust in thee. And so you come to this psalm. Here's the reality of this psalm here in a few moments. And this is one that as you, you enter into Psalm 55, you'll find that he starts off sharing what we begin to see as a, typically one of the things that we see often in the psalms is there's a problem that is presented. There's a, there's a situation, there's a difficulty, there's a danger, there's a uh, discouragement, whatever the case might be. It's, it's introduced to us right at the very beginning of the psalm, but somewhere along the way we find ourselves to be encouraged because the psalmist oftentimes finds himself still praising the Lord. And in this psalm here, you're going to see that David is going to introduce some of the problems that he is facing. But here's one of the saddest things about this psalm. As he begins to address the enemies that he is seeing, the enemies that are persecuting him, the enemies that are trying to take his life, the enemies that are trying to discourage and destroy his life and and really just going after him, right in the middle of this psalm, right after we see him praising the Lord, actually rather before we see him praising the Lord, he makes something very evident. You see, we, we expect enemies Whenever you think about the Lord, whenever you think about being a Christian, those who hate God, those who hate the work of God, you expect opposition from them. You expect opposition from those who who hate the Lord, hate the gospel, hate everything about church, hate everything about Christianity, everything. You expect opposition there. You expect persecution there. But this is a discouraging psalm in the light of what he begins to shed light on concerning the situation that he has encountered. 
couple of weeks ago, we dealt with the subject matter of betrayal as we walked in and walked through one of the Psalms. And here in this portion of Scripture, I want to draw your attention to verse number 12. Notice what he says here in this Psalm. Because as you walk through verses 1 through 11, you're thinking, oh man, he's got some enemies here. These enemies, it's not to be expected. But here's the discouragement. For it was not an enemy that reproached me, then could I, or I could have borne it. Neither was it he that hated me that did magnify himself against me, then I would have hid myself from him. But it was thou, a man equal, my guide, mine, accountant, uh, mine acquaintance. We took sweet counsel together and walked unto the house of God in company. We're given some light into that this wasn't just an enemy. This was once a friend. This was once one who he fellowshiped with. This was once one who he communed with. This was once one who he he, he began to take sweet counsel with and had conversations with. and, And there are probably many memories that were made. Your mind probably, as you read Psalm 55, I know my mind went to the time in Scripture when we begin to see Judas betraying Jesus. I preached a message uh, a couple of years ago on, on that passage of Scripture and how, how close Judas was to everything. He saw certain miracles. He, he, he was able to, to commune. He was able to probably laugh with the Lord. He was able to experience all of those many things. And he was so close, yet still so far away. And sadly, in this psalm here, we see that David is going to introduce us to a situation and a problem that is presented, and you're going to see the pain that he is facing. One of the things we begin to realize in this psalm is that he's going to acknowledge some pain, and he's not acknowledging physical pain. Have you ever been having a conversation with someone who is really going through a difficult season, and maybe they have just encountered some really hard news to really process. And they say, I'm just hurting. And someone might say, or maybe a kid. I remember when, when a couple of years ago we, we received uh, the, 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 the news about some of the miscarriages. And, and, and even in times past or even recently, or there's bad news received. And Miss Kelly is a, a more of a sensitive, she has a tender heart. And I remember on a couple of occasions getting information, or even when we had the miscarriages and all of that, she would be crying, and the kids would come up and would say, Mama, what's wrong? And she would just say, Nothing, everything is okay, I'm okay. And they would ask the question, Why are you crying? And in those situations, it was not that she was in any physical pain. I remember Jackson asking, did you fall or did you get hurt a couple of times and wondering those things. But it wasn't a physical pain that she was bearing at that time. It was just heartache. It was emotional. It was trying. And you've been there before. You know somebody that has been there that they've been in so much pain. But it wasn't they were physically in pain. But man, the heartbreak. The heartache. Some of you have been in situations where you have been physically uh, in pain and there have been times also when you have been emotionally struggling with something and your heart is broken and you're weeping about something and you know at times that it just, it hurts. Whether it's a situation or, or news that you've received, but in this psalm we're going to see that David is really struggling with these things. I don't know about you, but I take for just a moment and look at the words that he uses here. Because in this portion of scripture he says in verse number 12, he says, For it was not an enemy that reproached me, that I could have borne it. And let me put it to you this way. It wasn't just someone on the side of the street or someone on the road that said something ugly about me. Then I could have just shrugged it off and continued going on. 
I could have just moved on and I wouldn't have been thinking about that. Hey, you, you've been in situations where someone has put you down or said something about you. And if it wasn't someone you would take counsel from, you probably didn't care what they had to say anyways. But that's not what he's dealing with here. In verse number 12, he says, Neither was it he that hated me that did magnify himself against me. Then I would have hid myself from him. No, the pain that he is encountering, he begins to shed light on this in verse number 13 when he says, But it was thou a man, mine equal, my guide and mine acquaintance. We took sweet counsel together and walked into the house of God in company. Think with me for just a moment, someone that maybe you are extremely close with. And all of a sudden... Betrayal takes place or something happens, but no longer are you friends. Something has just happened in that situation. And it's not that you just heard, uh, you know, an opinion from someone that, you know, you wouldn't necessarily receive counsel from. And in that situation, you wouldn't care. But no, this was someone that you were extremely close with. Maybe it's someone that at the drop of a hat you would call and they would be over at your house having a a conversation with you on the couch and comforting you during times of of difficulty or needs that you had. Or maybe it was someone that as you walked into the house of God, you were able to share blessings and answers to prayer and they would hug your neck and they would just wrap their arms around you and say, man, that is awesome. Man, that's a blessing. David is experiencing heartache because this was not just another individual. This was one where in verse number 14, he begins to shed light on this. And we're going to look at it here in a minute. We took sweet counsel together. Walked unto the house of God in company. I want you to get everything and understand what is taking place because this is a trial. And and some of you right this very moment are facing trials within your own life. And you're thinking, where is the light at the end of the tunnel? And as a matter of fact, there are some statements that are made in this psalm that we have all lived in concerning just wanting it to just end. But in the midst of this psalm, we see the triumph taking place as he says, As for me, I will call upon God, and the Lord shall save me. You know why he's able to have that confidence? Because he is recognizing what God has done in past time. He's recognizing what God is doing right now, and he has confidence that God will continue to do it in the future. Can I share with you tonight, as you've walked in, maybe you're going through a trial right this very moment, and could I encourage you to look at what God has always done for you and how faithful He's always been. Look at how faithful He is right this very moment, and even in His Word, the promises that we read, they don't fade. You see, it's not like you get a, a, a tablet or, I mean, a, a little sticker that has ten little punch holes and you have to be wise about how you use those promises in God's Word. No, those promises that you find in God's Word are, are continuous promises. Hey, you were hurting yesterday. You say, man, I, I don't know if I can, can go to the Lord because I've only got nine times to use this, this, this call to the Lord and say, Lord, I need you to help me with hurt. No, every time you're hurting, you can call upon God. Every situation that you're facing, whether it's been something that you've been there before, you can still go to a faithful father. And the Bible tells us in verse number 14, in verse uh, verse number 16, and the Lord shall save me. Confidence in what the Lord has done, what he is doing, and what he would do. Look with me at three things this evening, and I pray it will be a help to you. We'll see how far we get in this psalm. I don't want to rush it, but I do want to draw your attention to verse number 1 once again because we see David's complaint in verses 1 through 8, and immediately he goes to the source of the situation who can answer the need and fulfill the situation and make sure that it's taken care of properly. He says, give ear to my prayer, O God. He doesn't stop and gripe and complain. 
He doesn't start out by whining. He doesn't start out by sulking. He doesn't start out by just, you know, falling to his knees and saying, man, I don't have anyone to call on. No, immediately in this psalm we see that the very first source that he goes to is the Lord himself. And he says, hide not thyself from my supplication. Attend unto me and hear me. I mourn in my complaint and make a noise because of the voice of the enemy, because of the oppression of the wicked, for they cast iniquity upon me and in wrath they hate me. My heart is sore paint. Pain within me. The terrors of death are fallen upon me. Fearfulness and trembling are come upon me, and horror hath overwhelmed me. And I said, Oh, that I would that I had wings like a dove, for then would I fly away and be at rest. Lo, then would I wander far off and remain in the wilderness, Selah. I would hasten my escape from the windy storm and tempest. Notice with me David's complaint here. David is aware of the situation that is going on, but he doesn't give us all of the details to start this psalm out. No, he gives us the source of the hope, the source of one who he's taking it to. He offers his complaint, but he starts it out by taking it to the Lord. And we see a couple of things concerning what we are dealing with concerning David's complaint. The first thing is his prayer. His prayer is he says these words, Give ear to my prayer, O God. In this psalm, we begin to draw uh, some hope in, and we see in East also this hymn right here, What a Friend We Have in Jesus. Verse number 2 says, Have we trials and temptations? Is there trouble anywhere? We should never be discouraged. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Can we find a friend so faithful who will all our sorrows share? Jesus knows our every weakness. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Verse number 3 says, Are we weak and heavy laden, cumbered with a load of care? Precious Savior, still our refuge. Take it to the Lord in prayer. I love that word still. You see that? That word still in this hymn right here is a reminder that He's not stopped being our refuge. You know, one of the things that we do a very poor job of, and when I say we, I mean uh, Christians sometimes, is we get into the habit, we know this song right here, We get into the habit sometimes of singing these hymns and we begin to neglect the importance of just the small words and the simplicity of words that are drawing our attention to realize that the Lord still is who he says he is in Scripture. And in this hymn right here, he goes on to say in verse number 3, Do thy friends despise forsake thee? I believe David is living that statement right there. Do thy friends despise forsake thee? Take it to the Lord in prayer. In his arms he'll take and shield thee. Thou wilt find a solace there. What a friend we have in Jesus. As you think about that hymn and you begin to think about what is taking place immediately in this portion of scripture, he says, give ear to my prayer, O God. I don't know about you, but I'm thankful that I can take my burdens and I can take my problems and I can take all of the trials and troubles that I have to a faithful God who will not only hear, but will act upon those things. He doesn't just leave us to those things and say, hey, you figured out on your own. No, he desires and he delights to answer according to his will what we are facing. As a matter of fact, the Bible tells us in Psalm 52 or 55 verse 22, cast thy burden upon the Lord and he shall sustain thee. He shall never suffer the righteous to be moved. Matthew 11, verse 28 and 29, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, and learn of me. For I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. You're looking for rest tonight. 
And you've come to the house of God, maybe you're facing a, a troubling situation, and maybe you're going through a trial right this very moment. And here in a moment, we're going to look at some statements that David shares in this psalm. You say, I, that's where I am, right there, what he is saying right there. That is where I am. Can I share with you, that trial does not need to end in your despair. That trial does not need to end in your discouragement. You can still find triumph in a, a faithful God who says, bring that trial to me, bring that trouble to me, bring that pain to me, because I'll give you the rest you're searching for. That is the God. We get to serve tonight. And he begins to offer this situation, this complaint unto the Lord. And he uses his words as he says, Give ear to my prayer, O God. But don't miss this. As you begin to think about that verse right there, verse 1, you say, oh, he started it out so well. And while that is true, that does not dismiss that he is still battling the situation and still facing some pain. Can I share with you, one of the greatest places you can be on a Sunday morning when you don't want to be in church is be in church. But that doesn't mean that what you're facing all of a sudden just vanishes. Let's be real for just a moment. Hey, the, the, the burdens that you are carrying right this very moment on your shoulders into the week, just because you're here tonight, does not mean that all of a sudden those things and those concerns and those cares have just vanished away. But we have a God that we can bring those things to. And that is what David is reminding us tonight, that he is saying in verse number 1, as he goes on to say, Give ear to my prayer, O God, and hide not thyself from my supplication. Attend unto me and hear me, and here is now his pain. And so he's acknowledged that, hey, I am facing something, and Lord, I'm bringing it to you. And so here it is. He goes on in verse number 2, and he says this, I mourn in my complaints and make a noise. Notice with me his pain, not only his prayer, but his pain. And David's problem is a big one, and he's really struggling with it here. As a matter of fact, David felt how oftentimes in certain seasons when we're discouraged and we're on the brink of despair, we're on the, in the place of really just battling uh, discouragement. Maybe you're, you're right there around the corner about to enter into depression or whatever the case might be concerning that season of life or that difficulty or problem. This is how David felt. Not only did David struggle with this, but David felt abandoned by God and abused by men. You say, well, what do you mean? Notice what he says in verse number 1 at the very end. He says, and hide not thyself from my supplication. Attend unto me and hear me. He's, he's pleading with the Lord. Lord, I need you in this moment. Lord, don't abandon me here. Because you're going to see here later on in this portion of Scripture that all of the things that he is enduring, he feels abused by these people. You go to workplaces. There are times whenever you go into a workplace and you may be the only Christian that is in there. That's just for a second, Brother Sean, you might walk into the workplace and you're the only Christian. And, and so all of a sudden, Brother Sean walks into the workplace and all of a sudden the, the workers that are there begin to crack jokes. Oh, the Mr. Holier Than Thou has entered into the room. Oh, man, the, the, the one who thinks he's got all the answers because God's on his side is here. And man, hey, you're battling something. Take it to Sean. He's got a God. You know what I'm talking about. The ridicule. The, 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 the words, the little, the little jabs here and there. And you feel as though, why, why am I having to endure these things? Last night we were walking through Old Testament Survey 2 and we started out the semester in the book of Job. And the entire class, as we deal with the book of Job, you see the suffering that is taking place in that book. It's a discouraging book in a lot of ways. There are things that Job went through that I would dare say if many of us went through, we'd just say, we quit, we're done. I mean, take my family, please don't do that. 
Take my flock, please don't do that. Take my friends, please don't do that. Take my, 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 my flesh and my, my, my health and all those, please don't do that. Uh, look, I, you're supposed to be a good God. Why is all this? But you find at the end of this psalm, or I mean at the end of the book of Job, you still find that God is still faithful. Can I share with you tonight, this is where David is at. He is feeling abandoned by God and he is feeling abused by men. And he is facing some difficult circumstances. And so notice what the Bible says in verse number 3. This is where you begin to see what we would consider his accusers or his enemies. Because of the voice of the enemy, because of the oppression of the wicked, for they cast iniquity upon me, and in wrath they hate me. Now, this word wrath here, I mean this word hate here, speaks of persecution in and of itself. And you might be in a place right this very moment where you, you go and you spend time with family members. I remember growing up, and uh, whenever... I had just gotten saved, and, you know, me and my brother used to argue all the time. And uh, we would go back, and we would visit my dad and stepmom occasionally, and we would go there. And uh, Some of you might be in this, where you've dealt with this before, but there would be times whenever me and my brother would be arguing. And there are many people in the world that like to do this when it comes to Christians, and I was just actually listening uh, to a, 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 an individual who was talking, and there was a a recent meeting that was taking place up in Kentucky, and everyone has an opinion about that meeting that was taking place and this and that. And he made the statement, he said, you know, one of the saddest things about it is there are people that are in the world that are, that are saying this or that about this, what was called the Asbury Revival or whatever. He said, there, there are things, wherever their opinions were, he said one of the saddest things about it is there are many Christians that are doing more harm to the work of God, whether it was a revival or not, because of some of the things that they're saying that are so ugly. You begin to think about those, those things within life. And you begin to think about the persecution that we begin to experience within the world and those who hate God. But you know what? One of the most dangerous things concerning in, in being a Christian is not necessarily the persecution that we face from the world, but the persecution that we face from each other sometimes. Oh, we have different, we have different standards, so we, can't, we, we, we don't like each other. We, we have different beliefs on certain things concerning little things that really don't matter. And so, hey, I'm just going to gossip about this person. I'm going to wear this person out. Hey, that church does it this way and our church does it this way. So we don't, we don't like them. And all of a sudden, you see this all across the world where all of a sudden Christians are bickering at each other. And one of the saddest words that you'll ever hear come out of a lost person's mouth is, why would I want to be a Christian if that is what Christianity looks like? And so we see persecution in the world, but one of the saddest persecutions that you see is amongst the brethren. People who are trying to be soul winners, and all of a sudden we have critical spirits enter into how you ought to soul win, but you're not soul winning anyways. I remember D.L. Moody was having a conversation with someone, and I believe a couple of other preachers had this same conversation, but someone walked up and very simply just said, hey, I don't like the way you soul win. He said, well, brother, how do you do it? He says, well, I don't. He says, well, I like how I do it more than the way you do it then. Critical spirits, opinions about things. You begin to think about all of that that is taking place. And David is really struggling here with what is going on. Notice in verse number 4 and verse number 5 the discomfort that he begins to feel. He says, my heart is sore pained within me. The terrors of death are falling upon me. Fearfulness and trembling are come upon me and horror hath overwhelmed me. You begin to see his discomfort. Notice the first statement as he makes it. He says, my heart is sore pained. 
as he makes this statement right here, it gives us some insight into the fact that this, again, as we already mentioned, is not a physical matter, but this is something that just naturally he is pained over, his heart broken over what he is going through, and he is truly hurting here. This was not something that he was just going to get over quickly. It was not something that he was just going to be able to brush off. He is truly hurting in this situation. And he is not wanting to go through it at all what he is experiencing. As a matter of fact, the second statement that he makes concerning the terrors of death that have fallen upon him and the fearfulness and trembling, that is speaking of the attacks that are on his life that are vexing him in this season of life right here. A trial. You think, man... You mean to tell me we're going we're gonna to see that David is, is, is struggling in the sense of he is, he is heartbroken. His life is put in jeopardy. He is, he is facing some discouraging days. He is facing some uncomfortable times and seasons and people and, and all of that. And all of a sudden, in the midst of the song here in a moment, you're going to tell me that he begins to praise the Lord. That's exactly what I'm telling you. But before he gets to that season of praising the Lord, I want to draw your attention to the next thing we see in verse number 7 and verse number 8. As you back up to verse number 6, rather, he says this. And I said, Oh, that I had wings like a dove. For then would I fly away and be at rest. Lo, then would I wander far off and remain in the wilderness, Selah. I would hasten my escape from the windy storms and tempest. Notice with me his desire here. Can I illustrate his desire for you? I believe we've all probably been here. Maybe for some people, they're going through things, and maybe it might be for just a few minutes. Maybe you're going through things, and you experience what David is talking about for maybe a couple of weeks. Maybe it's a couple of months. Maybe it's a year. I don't know. But as he makes this statement in verse number 6, and he says this, And I said, Oh, that I had wings like a dove, for then would I fly away and be at rest. Can I relate it to you for just a moment? You're going through a difficult season. And uh, you, you've, you've started what would be considered another day. Maybe it's work for you. You get in your vehicle, you're driving to work, and you're dreading going to work because you're in a, a discouraging season. And maybe you are, you're depressed about some things. Maybe you're battling some things. Maybe you're troubled about some things. And every single day you wake up, and it's a battle of the mind because you are just so discouraged. And so you get into work, and you go, and you work the whole day, and as you're on your way home, that thing that you've been thinking about is still consuming you, and you're going about your day, and you're trying to move past it, but it's troubling you, it's discouraging you, and you're just trying to move past it, but you just can't. And so you make the statement, I just wish we can move past it. And you make the statement, I want to be a year ahead. I just want all of this to stop and be a year ahead. And so you go, and you sit down on your couch. You sit down on your couch, and you, you're just ready for things to stop. And so this is what happens. You open your phone. You get on your laptop. You go to booking.com, and you try to search Hawaii. Because, sure, Hawaii's got no problems, right? You get to the beach. You get your feet in the sand, and there's nothing going on. So you're looking. All right, let's see. Man, it sounds so good. And all of a sudden, the problems that you're thinking about begin to fade for a few moments because all of a sudden, you're, you're daydreaming about there's no problems, Hawaii. Ooh, Paris. Type in Paris, you're looking for dates. And then all of a sudden, you find yourself discouraged again because you look and you see that it's out of your budget. You're not able to do it. You're not able to push those problems and those pains away. And you're discouraged again. And what David is experiencing here is what he is saying, what we've all lived through, which is this. I just want all of it to stop. This season is the worst. 
when people walk through the doors of the church or whenever you see people out in public and you ask the question, hey, how are you? And they say, oh, I'm making it. That means they're struggling. Um, that could be better. That means they're struggling. Oh, you know, we're, we're, we're fine. They're struggling. And you know that feeling, you know that place, you know that situation, where, wherever that trouble is, that trial that you're encountering, you say, I'm just ready for it to be done. David says in verse number 6, he says, Oh, that I had wings like a dove, for then would I fly away and be at rest. Why would he want wings like a dove? Because then all the problems would vanish. If I could just get away from all the trials, if I could get away from all the problems, oh man, if I had wings, I could just fly somewhere and not have to worry about anything. Verse number 7. Lo, then would I wander far off and remain in the wilderness, Selah. You begin to imagine right this very moment, uh, you're going through that difficult season, you find a little cabin in the woods, and you say, you know what, I just want to go and be secluded. I don't want to even be part of any civilization. I just want to go and be away from everyone for just a season. You know what I'm talking, you, you can relate to this because we've been there at times where you've been struggling so much that you don't want to, you don't want to have any conversations. You, you don't want to talk to anybody. You don't want to, you don't want to do anything. The, the thought of going to the house of God and being around people who are going to ask if you're okay, you don't even want to do that. David says in verse number eight, I would hasten my escape from a windy storm and tempest. As these statements are being made here, David, as he makes the statement, Oh, that I had wings like a dove, for then would I fly and remain in the wilderness here. As he is talking about those things, he, he, is, a, he, is, he is aware that around every corner, every which way he turns, that problem, that trial, that situation is still present. As he makes the statement... To be at rest, he is, he is saying, as also as he makes the statement, I would hasten my escape from the windy storm until he's just saying, enough, I just want this to stop. Every morning I wake up and there's the trial. Every evening I go to bed and there's the trial. And throughout the day, the problem is there, the people are there, the persistence of all of that is there, and it's just on my mind, I just want it to stop. This is what he is saying. Family problems, you just want them to stop. Health problems, you just want them to stop. Work problems, you just want them to stop. Financial problems, you just want them to stop. Burdens, you just want them to stop. The future, I don't even want to think about the future. I just want everything to stop. In those times, we find ourselves so discouraged that we begin to ask and we begin to feel as though David did a minute ago. Abandoned by God and abused by man. But as you continue reading... In verse number 9, we begin to see his displeasure, and his displeasure is dealing with a couple of things. You see, a few moments ago, we began to take notice of David's complaint and what he is facing, but his displeasure begins to offer a little bit more insight. David's displeasure in verses 9 on down to verse number 15 begin to offer insight into the country and some of the problems within the country and also the friend that we talked about a minute ago. Within the country, he kind of gives a little insight into these things. In verse number 9, notice the solution here. Destroy. <laughs> pretty, easy to, pretty easy solution, right? Just, just done. Destroy. O Lord, and divide their tongues. For I have seen violence and strife in that city. Day and night they go about it upon the walls thereof. Mischief also and sorrow are in the midst of it. So the solution is very simple. Destroy. Let death seize upon them, if you would. 
The situation that he is dealing with, this is a situation where he offers insight day and night. This is not just an occasional thing that he is having to encounter. This is day and night. Every single day he has to hear it. Every single day he has to think about it. Every single day he has to encounter it. Every single day he has to plan and, and figure out how is he going to make it through another day. And so he begins to offer some insight. And something that we begin to notice about these individuals right here, in verse number 11 as it says this, Wickedness is not in the midst thereof. Deceit and guile depart not from her streets. And as he's talking about these individuals, he is helping us to understand that these, these individuals were continuously causing problems. These individuals were, were individuals that were cruel in their acts, and they were also corrupt in their ways. These were not people that you surround yourself around. These are not people that you give the benefit of the doubt. These were individuals that they were just persistent about. Some of you have maybe family members that are atheist or agnostic, or they just try to disrupt things and try to discourage you. Maybe you have co-workers we live in a world today where when you get on social media, it's as though every single day when I get on social media or whenever I tune into what's taking place in the news, that somewhere along the way our, our world and our nation is getting more and more corrupt and the civilization is getting more and more corrupt and wicked and all of those things. It doesn't surprise me because the Word of God tells us it's going to get worse and worse. But it might not necessarily still be encouraging. And so David here is offering some insight into the trouble of his country, but also we see in verse number 12, as we already made mention of, the trouble with this friend. Notice with me these statements, because these individuals were friends. As he says this right here, for it was not an enemy, but it was thou, a man, mine equal, my guide and mine acquaintance. As he is saying these words right here, he is revealing that these were friends here. I don't know about you, I have some, some friends that, that as I begin to think about friendship, I can't imagine one of my close friends just turning on me, just like that. Some of you might have encountered that before, and in that season of your life, you're beginning to go back and you're thinking, man, how, how did that happen? How do we go from being so close and so close-knit to now we, we, we can't be in the same room, now we, we can't be around each other and all of that? And this is what David is facing. His heart is broken because it wasn't just another person. This was someone that meant a lot to him. They had fellowship. Not only were they friends, but they had fellowship. Notice what he says. We took sweet counsel together. Now it was my acquaintance and walked unto the house of God and company. This wasn't just another person. This was someone that was close to you. You say, man, David's heart is broken. It's not physical pain. He's heartbroken over the, the circumstances that have come upon him. And so we begin to see David here in his distress. We begin to see his displeasure, if you would. But now we go and we see the answer to it all. Verse number 16. Notice the joy that is found in this psalm. In the midst of all of this, he says this. As for me, I will call upon God. And the Lord shall save me. Evening and morning and at noon will I pray and cry aloud and he shall hear my voice. He hath delivered my soul in peace from the battle that was against me. For there were many with me. God shall hear and afflict them. Even he that abideth of old Selah because they have no changes. Therefore they fear not God. He hath put forth his hands against such as be at peace with him. He hath broken his covenant. The words of his mouth were smoother than butter, but war was in his heart. 
His words were softer than oil, yet were they drawn swords. Cast thy burden upon the Lord, and he shall sustain thee. He shall never suffer the righteous to be moved. But thou, O God, shalt bring them down in the pit of destruction. Bloody and deceitful men shall not live out half their days, but I will trust in thee. When I read this psalm, I read this psalm in such a way where I can relate in the sense of there are days whenever you, you, you just are so worked up about something. And immediately you begin to discuss it. Maybe you begin to hash it out with another person you're trying to seek counsel. And, and just very simply talking it through has helped. And David here starts out the psalm and he begins to cry out to God. He begins to share what he is facing. He begins to say, I just want to end it all. But then he begins to come to himself. He begins to realize, you know what, the Lord is still faithful. And he makes these statements. The first one is this. He says, as for me, I will call upon God. This was something that was personal to David. It wasn't cliche. It wasn't just something that he was going to do just because he thought he had to. He made two choices. The first one that his choice was he was going to pray. His choice was that he was going to pray in verse number 16. As for me, I will call upon God. Verse number 17. Evening and morning and at noon will I pray. So he made a decision. He made a choice. He is going to cry out to the Lord. He's going to pray. This was a personal thing. But the statement evening and morning and at noon meant that this was a serious matter and it required a little bit more prayer than he would usually offer because he says evening and morning and at noon. This was a passionate time of prayer. This just wasn't just another thing, you know. This wasn't a situation where, you know, this is a problem, but it's not really that serious. It'll work itself out, and we, we take it to the Lord, but we don't really take it to the Lord regularly. It's more of just a, a in-passing type thing. When it's on our mind, we'll pray about it, but not something that's, you know, serious in our minds that we have to pray about often. No, this was something that David was very passionate about. And as he makes his choice to pray, it's a personal decision, but it's a passionate decision. There are some things right this very moment. That every single day that you wake up and every single evening that you go to bed, you are praying about that one thing and maybe even throughout the day. Why? Because it's something that's very serious to you. It's something you're passionate about right this morning. It's something that you need God to work in, through, or work out. So you're passionate about it. There are things such as plans in the future. There are things such as, you know, circumstances that aren't really that pleasant, but you know what, it's not really that big of a deal is what we would say, that you're not necessarily going to spend a lot of time in prayer about because it's not the forefront of your mind, but this was. This was at the forefront of his mind. And so he made two choices. The first one was to pray. The second one was to praise. As he makes this statement... In these verses here, notice what he says in verse number 18. He hath delivered my soul in peace. Notice with me a couple of things. That statement begins to reveal that the Lord is a faithful deliverer. I don't know about you, and, and, and Brother, Braxton, Brother Braxton's not here tonight. I was going to give him a hard time. But, you know, during Christmas time, he works for UPS. I've had issues with FedEx, UPS, the post office. I've had issues with all of them. Don't get offended. Even Amazon, all right? And one of the things that I have found to be true is sometimes you just can't count on one of those deliveries. Or the deliverer, if you would. The last time I tried to go back in my mind and, and find a time when God didn't deliver me from a situation, I can't do it. When God didn't deliver me through some circumstances, I can't do it. You say, well, well even in the midst of some of the, the worst times in my life when I was saying, Lord, how do I get through this? He brought me through it. You know why? Because he's faithful. So we just heard in song a few minutes ago, because he's that friend. 
I'm telling you right now, there's just not a friend like Jesus. What a friend we have in Jesus. Not only is he a faithful deliverer, he says this concerning his soul being delivered in peace. Children, one of the things that children oftentimes need whenever they're worked up is they just want mama or they want daddy. Uh, Charlie is at that age right this very moment where he is getting into that clingy stage where when he's worked up, he just wants to be held by mama. And as soon as mama holds him, all of a sudden that baby becomes very calm. The statement in peace helps us to realize that he's not only a faithful deliverer, but he's also a faithful uh, God in calming his children. When you take your burdens to the Lord, all of a sudden you feel that peace and you're, you know what, the Lord's got this. He's calmed you. He's brought peace into your heart. He's reminded you that He is still there. He goes on to make the statement, For there were many with me. Can I encourage you? And though there might be those who oppose the work of God and oppose the Word of God and oppose the will of God and might even try to discourage you, all of those that discourage you and all of those that are trying to discourage you or disrupt the Word of God, none of them together outweigh how strong our God is. We find in this psalm that he is faithful in his strength. He doesn't lose strength. He doesn't get tired. He doesn't get weary. He is a faithful God in delivering us and calming us and in strengthening us. And so David begins to make some choices. He makes a choice to pray. He makes a choice to praise. And the last choice that he makes is one for us tonight. And we'll be done. Verse number 23. As he says this, But thou, O God, shalt bring them down. We like to to look at what's going to happen to the enemy, but we must not miss what's being said in verse number 22. Cast thy burden upon the Lord, and he shall sustain thee. You shall never suffer the righteous to be moved. Notice with me, the statement, cast thy burden upon the Lord, is an exhortation for us. The statement, he shall sustain me, is a promise that we can cling to. The statement, God shall bring them down, is a future that is going to take place for them. And the statement, but I will trust in thee, is one that is encouraging to us that we must remain steadfast. There are discouraging times in every one of our lives. There are days whenever I walk out of the house of God and I'm so thankful for what the Lord did in the midst of His people, but there might have been something that was brought to me or a situation that needed to be handled or whatever the case might be where I might walk out discouraged. It might be a situation even at times whenever I just say, you know what, I want to be done. And then I'm reminded. I'm reminded of a a young man and a young wife who just a couple of weeks ago stopped by the church and I asked him just the other day if I could share his testimony and he stopped by the church and they were going through some very difficult times in their own life. They asked the question, is there any hope for us? I'm able to share with them that there's a God in this book right here that reminds us that He is hope and that there is hope. And all of a sudden, we spend some time together two or three times, and he walks into the house of God, and as he's waiting to have a conversation with me, he shakes my hand and wants to give me a hug and tells me, listen, we found hope. The Lord has been good. We're doing great. We're we're, we're making sure the Lord is first. Four weeks ago, you know what they wanted to say? I just wanted to end. I just want to get far, far away. I just want to go to a remote island and spend time alone. I don't want to be with anyone. I just want to get in the wilderness and be away from civilization until they found hope. Can I share with you tonight 
You might be going through a trial. You might be going through a difficult time. You might be facing some uncertain circumstances. You might be facing some problems. You've got a friend, and his name is Jesus. And as you bring those things to him, you'll find in the midst of those trials, Jesus always turns them into triumph. I look back at my own life, and I see trials along the way, but I have a God who is faithful, and I have a God who is delivered. I have a God who's given peace. I have a God who's calmed me. I have a God who is still strong, just as strong as he was yesterday. He's still strong today. That's my God, who in the midst of trials turns them into triumph. Can I encourage you, whatever you're facing tonight, give it to the Lord. Allow the Lord to bring it through to you. Tonight, I'm going to ask Brother Zach. Brother Zach, if you don't mind, I'd like for you to play that song one more time and sing, if you, if you wouldn't mind. I want you to listen to the words. I was sitting there in my seat thinking, man, we didn't have a conversation. You know what the conversation was this, about this? I, he walked in the office tonight. I said, hey, do you mind singing tonight? That was it. I don't believe there's a God of coincidence. I believe there's a God of specifics. He says, hey, I have something for you tonight. I want you to think about how wonderful of a friend you have in me. And I want you to praise my name. I want you to glorify my name. I want you to bring those burdens to me because I'll bring those trials about and I'll show you triumph in the midst of it. Lord, we do thank you tonight. We thank you for how good you've been, how good you are, and how good you're always going to be. Thank you for reminding us what a friend we have in Jesus. I pray that you would bless the time. Bless this time together. Bless this invitation. For it's in Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. If the Lord's dealing with you, could I?